Welcome to Borderline. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> I like that's that. My, that's my best uh, CBS billboard yeah. Yeah. impression. That's a good one. Guy. I like that one. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Borderline. Yeah, dude, you're so good at that, though. That it what? The uh, the ad, the, the ad reads. What, at the at the billboards. Yeah, the yeah, not as good as that CBS guy though. Yeah, his, I his mean, voice, his voice is amazing. I told you, I told you when we were out in LA, and I, I, I was fine, but there was the one I can't remember which one it is, and it was like a tongue twister for me. I just couldn't get it right. Yes, there are there are a couple that you got to read that you got to like slow and it was, down when you're. And it was just it was one I was one specific one, and I for the life of me can't remember while we sit here. But yeah, that was. I mean, I messed it up probably three times, and finally they took it, and it wasn't perfect. They were just like, we're running out of time, man. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Just go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Today's coverage of the ACL is brought to you by oh, yeah. Johnsonville. Yeah, the Johnsonville one was pretty easy. Yeah. Right? But yeah, all, God, what was all, it? all cornhole is, is okay. I think it might have been all cornhole. Okay. It's, it's, a little, it's a little tricky. It was. Yeah. Now, because anyway. you, you got to say now available. And when you say yeah. now available, if you say it too fast. And, and can... there's something in the middle of the read that doesn't flow real well. Yeah. You know, so you do have to slow down. Yeah. It's funny for, for, uh, for Jade out there. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get our mention in. Yeah. Don't know. So behind the scenes of the TV. So there's what are called billboards. So they're paid, they're paid ads. So, so you see them sometimes when we come back from commercial break, you know, 2022 ACL coverage of the final chase is brought to you by johnsonville right. by all cornhole by discount yeah. tire or whatever so for the espn broadcasts um i just voice them we, they're pre-produced we voice them before we go yeah. on and then and then they play them but on cbs they actually have a narrator like a professional no, voiceover that, guy that guy yeah yeah, yeah. what's crazy is when you meet guy i mean it's kind of like you i mean your voice is so kind of dead on perfect like there's no accent it's just very you know it's how, like when you meet guys like that, because that's how they talk. Like I, I saw a video where some kids ran into the EA Sports guy at, and at that's a bar. How he really talks in real life. Yeah, and they just got him to do a video. It's <laughs> like it's in the game, and like they, they just got him <laughs> to do it, right? And it's like it's crazy. It's just a guy's normal voice. Yeah, it's funny because Trey and I were wondering if that guy walks around and saying, "Hey, where do you guys want to go for dinner?" Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it has to, right? <laughs> like, I'll take a Corona. Yeah. <laughs> P.F. Chang sounds good today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's and like, really so the boy. kids, I mean, I, the way I think about it, I mean, you don't know who that guy is, right? You wouldn't know his face. So they had to have heard him speak. Yeah. To know that was him in the restaurant. Yeah. And they went over and got the video with him. Yeah. Recognize his voice. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, so we've got so much to talk about this week. I don't even know where you want to start. So so we've got just a superstar guest. I am so excited to bring him on here in about uh, five or ten minutes. Uh, one of our Super Hole competitors coming up this weekend in Chicago. So we can talk about Chicago. We can talk about Seattle. we got to try and get to meet Jeff and Bernie real quick if you want to try and do that. I guess, I guess first you want to start with Seattle. I, I, I actually thought it was, you know, as we get, as we go through the shootouts, obviously we're halfway through now. So mm -hmm. some of the, some of the top names who already won weren't there and it's tough to get to. So we didn't have all the pros there, obviously, uh, but still a great field. And uh, I thought the venue was outstanding. Seattle could be my new favorite skyline. Oh, that's I, pretty cool. 
I loved it. I mean, just the views everywhere, whether it was the moon coming up over the mountains and the sun coming up over the mountains or setting over the mountains, uh, the views of downtown Seattle, uh, Mount Rainier. I mean, gosh. Yeah, Mount Rainier was pretty impressive when I finally saw it. Yeah. Did you spend any time in Seattle? A little bit. I mean, just just driving, just driving through. Okay. Uh, But that drive down from the north from Everett. Yes. um, You know, I just kind of took my time winding around a little bit, got lost a little bit down there. Um, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's really, it's really a beautiful city. And the trees, like that's one thing I noticed, right? When we go in the desert Southwest, there's no trees, there's no green, right? That's one of the first things you notice, but the types of trees in Seattle, those types of evergreens that we just don't have in the Southeast. Right. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of everywhere and it's just kind of a, and how lucky are we? I mean, an area kind of known for its clouds and it's, you know, rainfall. What do we have? Four straight days of sun, no clouds. I know, and and the extended forecast was really good. Yeah. So so I've been to Seattle, I think, three times in my entire life, and every time I've been there, it's been nice. So I'm like, wow. wait a second, how much does it actually rain? Like here in Charleston, it rains a lot. Like if you look at our forecast, we've got like nine straight days of rain. Yeah, I, coming up if here. You look, so it can't be if worse. you look up, yeah, if you look up the rainiest cities in America, Miami, I think, is number one. Oh, interesting. And it, well, it's rainfall. It's rainfall. The difference is it rains a lot there. It just doesn't pour down rain there. You know, it's misty. You know, Atlanta, that's the city I live in now. Atlanta is one of the top five. I mean, it's all. And when it rains, you know, it pours. It comes down in inches. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, Southeast in the summertime, you're going to get hammered. Yeah. But no, I I thought Seattle went to I thought the, the, the matches for our CBS broadcast were incredible. I mean, really, some I really yeah. thought some great some great matches. So some really good action, and and I liked in the doubles final all the talking going on, right? Um, you know, especially with Noah Wooden. I mean, Noah, yeah. um, you know, and congratulations to he and Ryan for uh, really kind of getting back on stage. It's kind of interesting, wasn't it? I mean, we hadn't seen Ryan Windsor and Noah Wooten on the main broadcast stage for a national televised event in a while. It had been it's a while to have those guys back, and then and then to hear the way that they were communicating back and forth. I mean, two just consummate pros, right? And yeah. then getting it done—that was fun to watch. One thing I'm interested in seeing going forward, and you know, now that we've gone through four shootouts, now we're back to a national. Everything's to 21. Yeah, because there are certain players, and they'll—it's pretty easy to see. Like when we were doing the streaming courts on the side, uh, I'll just call out Mark Richards. It's fairly obvious he can't stand the round limited format. Can't stand it. Just, just, you know, just won't deal with it. Goes in the open to 21 that weekend, wins it, right? He just, he's just one of those guys that wants to play to 21. He, I wouldn't say he threw a match with Jimmy Humans, but it's just, you sat down. Remember, you sat right down next to us and you're like, what just happened? It, went, it was over in eight rounds and it was like he got, he got frustrated and just threw all the bags off the back. He was just done. He was just tired of dealing with it. And yeah. just certain, I don't know certain what happened play- there. That was strange. Certain players just do not like that round limited format. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, the Zazueta brothers, for example, can continue their hot run because they've been hot in the shootouts. Yeah, for right? sure. Mesa, Vegas, and now Seattle. Do they, does that, you know, correlate into the national where everything's at 21? Or do they, you know, or do things kind of go back to the way they were? I mean, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I Certain players really enjoy the pressure and yeah. how quick the shootouts go. And then certain players just can't stand, just can't stand. Yeah, no, it's true. And you're right. Going back to, to traditional 21, I didn't even think about that until just now. 
Um, in one yeah. week, we're going to switch over from the round limitations to to first one to twenty one back to traditional. That's gonna be that's gonna be good. Um, all right, but yeah, so Seattle was awesome, and now yes. off to Chicago for the fourth and final national, and um, and Super Bowl. And uh, I, I was I was just talking with Marlon, who's our PR guy behind the scenes, who has set up the Super Bowl. This is going to be the fifth preliminary, I think, of what is now Super Bowl three. And man, what a star-studded lineup! Now, yeah. I mean, for some of us who like country music, it will be better than others. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't wait to hear your conversation with Brett Young because you're such a huge country music fan. Yeah, yeah, I I, <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel bad because I don't know any of his songs. I, I don't know a. I don't know anything in his catalog, but you know, I don't really get to talk to the stars much, man. I'm not like you guys. I'm, I'm a grunt behind the scenes. I just make the announcements. They walk up and then, you know, they just kind of look around to see where the voice is coming from. Well, I just, I go up, I, I try and go up to him and, and at least say hi. I mean, there's so much that they have to do before. Yeah. So, so actually we don't get a chance to talk to him very much either. I mean, yeah, when I warm it up, I try and go out and at least introduce myself and see how much they've played, but. Yeah, I, I try to, you know, because there is so much going on and everyone's trying to get a piece of them backstage and then they're they're trying to kind of, you know, it's really the first time they're probably meeting their partner, their playing partner. I just try to stay out of the way because I, you know, what am I going to say? to Like, for example, what am I going to say to Brett Young? Yeah. Right. Hey, man, I don't like country music. Nice job. Like, I uh, hate <laughs> country music, but it's nice to meet you. <laughs> but, but you do it well. Way to go. <laughs> Uh, no, he's, he's, he is, he is good? oh my gosh, he is so good, Bernie. Um, in case you didn't know, that's, that's, that's probably his biggest okay. song that, that he's had out there so far, I think, but his, his voice is very, very unique, but, uh, I, I think he's great, but I'm a country music fan. So, but, uh, yeah, so I wrote these down, uh, Brett Young, Jay Cutler. We all know Jay Cutler, former quarterback for the, for the yes. Bears, uh, Zach Miller, who's uh, tied in for the Bears. Uh, Jeff Morrow from the Food Network, um, Jarrett Payton, son of Walter Payton, yeah. and then a late change when I was talking to Marlon, uh, Caleb Castile from NCIS unfortunately couldn't make it because of some scheduling conflicts. They had, uh, I think they still had to be on site um, doing some recording. But uh, so Deep D Vimpati, and I'm sorry if I'm saying her name wrong, I am I'm apologizing right now, and I am so sorry. But she's from Love Is Blind, uh, Netflix series. Oh yeah, hugely. I mean, she she is super popular. From Love Is Blind, I mean, I looked I looked on her social media. She has like a million followers. So just, um, just a little under yours, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, just <laughs> just, just a little under mine. I've got I've got a couple. Actually, does it ever weird you out? Like, what do you have on Facebook? And I know Facebook's kind of an old person social media platform, but um, well, I scrubbed mine. About, oh, did you? Yeah, about. I don't know, three years ago, it was like pre-COVID and took it all the way down into the, like the hundreds. So I'm not even sure. I I'm need still, to do that. I'm not, I, sure I've I'm got... still back to, I'm not sure I'm still back to, to I might I might be at a thousand because there's so many cornhole people out there. But. Yeah, it's all cornhole people. Like my actual, I mean, not that cornhole people aren't my friends, but like my real close friends, there's probably like 30 of those and I've got 3,000 friends. Oh my gosh. It's It's all cornhole people. So I should probably, and it's not like, and it's not the cornhole people that we see week to week to week. You know, it's a lot of folks yeah. that I guess either watch us on this show or watch, you know, the bracket reveal shows. So it, 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 yeah. I could probably do a scrub or just create a work one, right? Just this is right. for work. This is cornhole Bernie. And then, you know, have a personal page. But then you got to reach back out to people. And, 
Well, it's interesting because I've had this debate with myself because because I scrubbed it down. I mean, all of them. Again, maybe maybe it's four years ago now. And now I'm I'm like, well, you know, in this day and age where social media and number of followers has become such a thing. Now I'm like, wait a second, maybe I shouldn't have done that. So maybe I should just like accept everything and just try and blow, just try and blow up the social media numbers. I don't right. Know. The problem the problem is there's so many bots. Like each friend request I get, I have to go through yeah. and make sure that they they're like they actually have a cornhole board and a picture somewhere, you know, because most of them are just bots trying to, you know. Right, but it still counts, right? If somebody if somebody's it looking counts, at your numbers, but they steal your stuff, they get on and then they they hack your system. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, then there's then there's that. Yeah. Then there's that. I mean, I've been hacked three times on Facebook. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I try. Tr I've been trying to. And again, I'm not sure if I should. Maybe I should just let the numbers explode. I tried to vet mine as much as I can. Yeah. If it's not someone who is, you know, like I try, you know, there's certain things that I look at right away to see if I feel like they're legit or not. And, and if they're not, then I just don't follow them. Maybe I should. Maybe I should let everybody in, blow up the numbers yeah. and make a look. I feel, I actually feel bad for the bots because, you know, they get in, they hack into my system, they get to my bank account, and then they realize what an absolute waste of time it's been. <laughs> Wait a second. This guy has nothing. <laughs> this he is has no a, money. I need to give him some money. What? <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. <laughs> We uh, we're ready for our guest. Our, our guest today is, uh, and again, we are super excited to have him here on Borderline. So our guest is an Emmy-nominated celebrity chef, born and raised in Chicago, where after years uh, spent cooking in restaurants, graduating with honors from culinary school, and performing on stage, he landed himself on season seven of the hit TV show Food Network Star, which has totally, really brought him to to his current stardom. This guy is a superstar. He ultimately won the the, uh, the competition, combining his passion for cooking with comedy and landed his own series, the Emmy-nominated Sandwich King, which a lot of you probably know him for. After five successful seasons to date, he was tapped by the Food Network to also co-host the hit daytime show and four-time Emmy-nominated The Kitchen, which is now in its 31st, I think, season. It's been on for, for a long time. That's scary. Um, and he, here's great. So, so he's been a guest co-host on the Today Show. And featured on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, Steve Harvey, Good Morning America, CBS This Morning, among many others. He's also a best-selling author. His favorite color is pastrami. His favorite <laughs> smell is meat yeah. smoke. He still That's lives tough. in the same town that he grew up in. He's in a band. Uh, uh -oh. it's, it's a dad band that he calls it called uh, The Jewel Bags. And, of course, we'll see him this week throwing some bags for Super Hole, our fifth preliminary. Please welcome to the show here on Borderline jeff morrow hey jeff hey jeff hey bernie how you guys doing thanks for having me on right intro. on look, hey, at, look, at, look at the guitars in the background jeff's jealous i can they're already all tell fake. they're all fake <laughs> <laughs> no. they're all played very hard all right so how much jeff how much do you let's start with the band how much do you actually still play do you guys still gig quite a bit oh yeah uh, we have a practice space uh, we gig when <laughs> you know summers are hard because like you said it is a dad band and being in a dad bad comes with playing with, you know, only only playing with other dads and other dads are always like coaching ba basketball, yeah. coaching T-ball, summer leagues, travel hockey. So it's like it really it's like this. It, it, has any other father out there or family man or person in like a, a neighborhood ever successfully gotten four or five guys in a room together like once That's a week? Tough. It's very difficult. So summers are hard for us, but uh, we got a couple gigs planned. And we play about every other week, and uh, you know it's fun. It's an outlet. Well, hold on. Are, are y'all playing this weekend at all? You no, know, I wish. I wish we would oh, play like, the opening ceremonies or something. That would have been awesome. Super Hole event. 
Jewel that bags was... in the Super Bowl. What's a better combination? <laughs> that is perfect. Hey, and I know a drummer who could play for you. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Here we Uh-oh. go. You guys Jeff's play, I take it. I was, I was in a band back in college. We, you know what, Jeff? We actually played in Chicago. We always wanted to play at the Cubby Bear, and we actually were scheduled to play at the Cubby Bear before um, things went sideways with our singer, and uh, <laughs> and he pursued other interests. But we played at Shuba's. Yeah. Uh, do you remember a band? I'm not sure how old you are. There was a band called Hello, Dave. Of course. Um, Hello, yeah, Dave. Play- used to We used to open for Hello, Dave, my college band. Bullshit. Were you no in way. Hello, we, Dave? We, we, played, we played. No, I wasn't with. We opened do, for them. Do you ever play in Peoria? Uh, I don't think we played in Peoria. Just no. didn't make it that high up, huh? Yeah, didn't yeah. Make that yeah. just, just didn't, didn't graduate to Peoria. <laughs> no. But I went to Bradley University in Peoria, and I yeah. had one band on campus. We were called Brother Ron. Hello, Dave would come. We'd open for him every time at SOPs. And, we, you know, they would draw quite the crowd. I mean, back then, they were like, you know, the quintessential bar band of the era. All right, all right, hold on, hold on. So wait, Jeff, what band were you in? What was the name of your band? It was a really, really creative name. Oh, no. It was me, it was me and my roommate, whose name was also Jeff, and we named the band Jeff and Jeff. Jesus, I think I remember you guys. All right, look, I think we got in a band fight, maybe, in the basement of Shuba. We did. This is our dressing room. Beat it. Yeah, like hey, an anchorman, so, the movie. Yeah, exactly. Was, right. yeah, band. I'm pretty sure you killed that guy, Jeff. Yeah. Which Jeff are we talking about? There's three of them. So I want to know from you two guys if you could go back, keep the band together, and oh. still be in that band. Would you trade everything that you have now for that? <laughs> wait, Absolutely. Pro- wait, if the band made it into stardom, yeah. is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Nah, man. That's. I mean, as much as I, I love would. playing music. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Jeff. This Jeff is like, no, nah, man. I like this TV career. It's tasty. Um, you know, but this, I, I love, I love performing on stage in a in a in a music group as right. one of the most purest form of just c- c- catharsis out there. Right? You don't think about anything else. You're putting on a show. There's no lines. To, I mean, you got to memorize chords and stuff, but you practice enough. You, you know that stuff. It's just. It's such instant gratification. It's so unadulterated rock and roll fun. It's hard to match by being on a TV set, which what you guys see on TV, you know. I mean, it's like exciting to the viewer, but it's a tedious process making a TV show. It takes 12 hours and there's a lot of waiting around. But like rock and roll, you set up, you grab a beer, you spill the beer on your mic, you get bang and and people are cheering or maybe two people are cheering depending on where your gig is. Welcome to our show. Maybe 12. <laughs> but no, I'd keep it. I don't know about you, Jeff, though. I can't. Yeah, I, I, I would absolutely still be playing if, if we all had stayed together. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's in the really to me, uh, one of the greatest satisfactions in my life was the four slash five of us mm-hmm. when we would even I mean, Jeff, even just practicing in the garage. Right. Everyone would fire up their amps and and ev- so everything's ready to go. And that first note mm-hmm. that you all hit together. Right. To start the song and away you go. It's like it's like four random, five random people all of a sudden in a garage and you just hit that note and you all just start literally rocking. And it's it's just such a great feeling. It's such a high. Amen to that, man. And and I I don't feel bad for people that don't have that in their life because it's not something you could just instantly plug and play into your routine, but yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous. Up. I'm I'm so jealous of this conversation. It's but killing like, me. Actually, it, it is. It do, that that's what it's all about. It's it's the harmony between four players. Just you know, yeah. maybe that first note, or maybe it's three. You play the song three times in a row, and you really hit that change, and you yes. come ripping in, and it, you, the bass is going. It's it really is uh, a, a magical feeling. 
I mean, yeah. I would imagine I would imagine that it would heal all wounds, right? You sit there, you just had this huge argument with the band in the back. Ugh. You get out there, all of a sudden, something goes exactly how you want it to go in a song, and all that's forgotten. It's a tale old this time, right? I mean, like you yeah. know, you watch all these biopics of these bands. It's always it's all bad, and then it's great, and then it's terrible, and then they get back <laughs> together, and it's great again because the yeah. music, man, it's all about the music. The music. Yeah, it's all about the music. <laughs> You know what, Bernie, though, I mean, there's some real truth to that because you're right. The, the music does heal. And like what Jeff was saying, when you all come together with a key change or you all come together in the hook of the song, you know, in the chorus, I mean, and it, ju it just comes together and the crowd, all 12 of them come to life. But it really is a high and it brings you all together. Four and a half of those people are staff. So <laughs> employees and, and, two, and two, my mom and dad who drove down from Iowa. <laughs> yeah. My uncle, yeah, my uncle Dave is there again. That's right crushing <laughs> gnts yeah well hey all right let's get let's get to this weekend so so you are going to be one of our celebrity throwers in super hole so this is the the super hole three but this is the fifth preliminary for super hole three so how good is your cornhole game i i know you and marlon uh met and and, and you were able to get into this but i mean have you had any experience any background in cornhole oh. whatsoever well first of all i'm from chicago i mean we grew up playing this in alleys and front yards and backyards and it's a um Every party we would go to or throw, there's always boards and bags out there. And it's just sitting there. It just takes one person to like go oh, and start flipping the bag up. And next thing you know, you're six hours deep. So right. I feel naturally experienced in it just for the last many decades before it was even, I mean, we called it bags. I'm sure you have people on your show uh, calling that all the time. So when I, I learned of this league and I started watching them, I'm like, oh my heavens, you know, I'm, I also play disc golf, another fringe sport that yeah. they actually wanted me to play in the Pro-Am tomorrow. I can't. I have too many cornhole commitments this week. I can't possibly <laughs> do another celebrity Pro-Am fringe sport. Um, but to me, it's like, again, it's like music, right? It's the rhythm of the bag and the percussion of that bag hitting the board. It's so, so gratifying. Anybody can play. I feel like I'm pretty good. How do I know this? I don't always lose. I don't always win. And I play some guys in the neighborhood that are pretty darn good at it. A, B, when I, they brought it, it was on the side of the kitchen. They had like an end of the season celebration out front. This was whatever, a couple of years ago when they brought out their, you know, like East, you know, I don't know, East Coast. They don't know how to play it to teach, literally teach them the rules. But I was just blowing these kids out of the water and it was felt so good. Like I was like, oh, this is inside my veins, right? This is in my DNA. And then I just got back from a family vacation uh, in Cayman, Cayman Islands, Grand Cayman. Uh, yeah. And the people that live next door to us live there half the year or whatever. And they had this guy runs the Cayman tournament for for cornhole that they have a trophy <laughs> made every year. And this guy's like, you play, you know, you play bags. I was like, do I play bags? I'm on the circuit, brother. What about you? I got, you know, I'm playing on ESPN two the next Friday. <laughs> He's like, well, we got to play all week. So we were playing all week. And this guy was good. He was good. I'm not going to lie. But I kind of smoked him a little bit. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. So I was like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm winning on the East Coast. I'm winning in the islands. Maybe I can I win in my backyard. I don't know, with, with real competition. But uh, I, 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 I'm confident. I didn't pick this up, this sport, because they asked me to be in this. You know what I mean? I, but have I been practicing hard? Yes, very much so. 
All right, I've got a I've got a question because it's away from cornhole. Because if you've ever seen this show, which I doubt you have, you'll find out that I hate talking about cornhole, and it's a cornhole show. Wow, you're the sandwich guy. Uh, next question. Take, take, take me through <laughs> what like at what point were you like you know I'm really really good at making sandwiches. Oh, like what my like, my first okay. job was at a butcher shop, oh. uh, you know, down the street. And I swept fat and sawdust and blood off the floor and <laughs> yeah. scrubbed cold, fat-laden pans and got yelled at by mustachioed butchers, chain-smoking. You like? I felt like I, you know, it was like a, you know, this Upton Sinclair novel, you know, like the jungle. But this was like in the, you know, early '90s. I wasn't, you know, but it does seem like it was 1932, and I. Yeah. You know, Pre-plumbing playing in the background. Exactly. A stack of Playboys <laughs> in the back. I loved it. I fell in love There's with nothing it. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. Not that I did that. Now you can't get away with that these days, gentlemen. But uh, and then I got sick of that. And then I moved on to the place two doors down, which was a deli and caterer. And I was like, I loved it because friend people, girls in the neighborhood would come in. I make them a sandwich. And that's where I fell in love with, you know, like the deli case in the slicer and the interaction between somebody at a deli. You're scooping out prepared foods, making sandwiches from scratch and presenting them to the customer. Because I was always in theater, always in Second City youth programs. Right on. Comedy from very young age. Uh, and when I did this, I'm like, this is a stage as much as my band plays on, as much as the school theater, as much as Second City. I mean, this is like, this is the, if there's glass and there's, it's, I'm elevated and I'm slicing meat. And so I fell in love with sandwiches at a very young age and always kind of gravitated towards, I went to culinary school, opened a deli, you know, like it was always to me, I always had this kind of classical training, but I always, you know, gravitated towards the humble sandwich, which is very, very difficult to execute correctly. A lot of people. Absolutely. Up. You really, Jeff, you really do seem to have a love affair with this. It does I mean, it's it's I mean really the way that you're talking about it like Ooh. the way that you were mentioning the meat slicer like oh come like, on like, like you have a relationship with it is there anything <laughs> sexier than when you go to the deli the deli the delicatessen as I've coined them that wonderful uh, uh, underappreciated culinary worker of the lady the guy you know that you're like, can I get three quarters of a pound of that honey smoked turkey breast slice very right. thin three quarters of a pound sure she test does the first slice. She tests it out. How's that? That's good. Do you want? You want to? You want to try it? Boom! Perfect slice. You want? And I'm like, no, that's a little oxidized. Usually, give me the second slice. Ooh, that's good. Three quarters of a pound. She's sitting there, and then she's talking to you. She's on the slicer. She's slicing here. The little, the low hum in the back. She's she's shingling them <laughs> on her hand, laying them nicely in that deli paper, and then without even looking at the meat at the slicer, she looks. She keeps eye contact direct in your eyes and then gently lays that meat down on the scale. And guess what? Two and quarters of a pound on the dot. <laughs> Tell yeah. me I'm boned up every time. I don't care. <laughs> I was, I was going to, I was going to ask you, but I wasn't quite sure how to ask. Hey, that's the honest truth. I'm, <laughs> I'm in the zone. And in, in when, when, when I was, uh, uh, you know, in delis, my whole life, that was my goal. I was like, I know I do this so much. I feel a pound. I can feel, a half a pound, you know what I mean? And when they do that, I always, we, I did it in Cayman, right? And this lady thought I was crazy. I was like three quarters of a pound. First of all, I'm the only one buying mortadella thinly cut in, in Cayman. I can guarantee you <laughs> back to my condo. And she hit it. She was off by like 0.01 ounces, whatever that is. Yeah. And I go, keep it. 
stay there. Don't remove anything. Don't add nothing. <laughs> and I was like, great, great. I was very sincere with her. And, you know, this is like an island worker that probably yeah. nobody ever cares if she's hitting the, hitting the, you know, hitting the nail on the head. But you got to appreciate these people, you know. I think I just learned something, by the way, Jeff. Did you know to not take the first slice of meat? I, I was thinking the same thing. I had no, no idea. I'm so Southern. Like, you know, butcher culture isn't that big in the South. And I just learned something. That's you awesome. If they wrap it well, it's good. But still, it's going to be up against that plastic wrap. There's going to be some breaches, maybe. It's usually funky, sometimes iridescent. I don't know. Like, yeah, just, it makes sense. No, it, it makes perfect sense. I just never thought of it. And that's your right. Like, you don't want that exposed piece. Just have them be like, that's a great thickness. You know, t- toss that. I don't even want a sample. Just get going. Chances are you've had this meat a million times. There's no need to like sample right. American cheese. <laughs> yeah. well, I, don't I just know. want a finer, the finer nuances of the flavor of this, uh, you know, yeah. ham. Yeah, this, honey, this honey baked ham sure is different this time. <laughs> oh man, that's good. I can get in trouble <laughs> with the honey baked ham though. So, so before you got into, before you got into your, your passion for food, Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, I think I read or I heard that you were, you kind of liked radio and TV, right? I mean, is, yeah. that, is that what you wanted to get into to begin with? Besides being in a, uh, a hit rock and roll band in college called brother Ron, <laughs> I was also on the side, a radio television communications major, which I graduated with a solid 2.3 average. That's what I'm talking um, about. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the irony is I graduated college and two weeks later, I opened a deli with my cousin. So that just right. shows you I was always into the food, but I'm glad I, what I loved about radio TV and there wasn't much radio at my college. Unfortunately, uh, it was all like news based mm. editing essentially. So we'd edit packages, we'd shoot the packages, we'd edit them and we'd air them on the, on the, the school news program every week. So I learned so much about everything from, graphic design on, you know, early Photoshop to avid editing and, you know, music uh, cues and shooting and cameras and SVHS and all these, all these forms of editing. So I I got a good base knowledge of the television world, but unfortunately it took me many more years, you know, 2011, (laughs) I graduated 2000. So I didn't do any TV nor radio in between, except I used to audition for local commercials and I may or may not have started in a, a regional Uh-oh. carpet commercial Uh-oh. that didn't air. So what, what was the, what was the final driving force that took you there that said, all right, I'm going to, I need to be on the food network. I'm going to make this happen. Like what, what was it inside you that said now's the time? Well, I, uh, we, 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 we sold the deli after four years during those four years that I was running the deli. I was also in a show at night called Tony and Tina's wedding in Chicago, which was like this, there was one in New York. It's a big, you know, improv-based yeah. Italian-American wedding. It's crazy. We were doing, I was doing six, seven shows a week, working all day, doing every show every night till midnight. It was crazy. It was a crazy schedule. And I was like, I love cooking. I love performing. I'm never going to be the, you know, best chef in the world. I'm never going to be the best stand-up or comic in the world. But I could try to be the funniest chef in the world. And what better platform for both talents than the food network. So that's when I kind of set my sights on there in about 2004. And then I moved to LA and started shooting my own pilots. And with my cousin and my other buddy, Ali, we started doing these pilots and and shopping them around, self shooting them, editing them, pitching them. And we did that for many years while I cooked on the weekend, went to culinary school. Like, cause I knew it was like, why is this not hitting? Why why is nobody buying the show? It's a great concept, which is just pretty much 
me and this guy Ali getting drunk and throwing parties and cooking. I'm like, great concept, genius. Scorsese over here, you know. <laughs> and in in I I wanted to legitimize myself. So like the last year and a half, I I, I enrolled in culinary school, worked full time, worked in some restaurants, graduated, did all that, and moved back home. But while I was in LA, I started auditioning for Food Network Star, which was I think the first year I auditioned was the year that guy Fietti won. So <laughs> I'm glad I didn't get on that one. I probably wouldn't have won, but I just kept getting rejected, made it really far in the audition process. I'm talking like being flown to New York to the headquarters auditioning failed, didn't make it. And then after four tries, by this time I was back home in Chicago, um, saving money for a house. My son was a one and a half. My wife's a nurse. She's working. I'm cooking a uh, full time. This story was wow. complete. You know what I mean? Like I was, I had the chops. I never stopped performing, never stopped cooking professionally. So I was like ready by year four. I was like, my wife's like, you send in this tape, you know, you send in this audition. Uh, you're going to, you, you know, are, are you sure you want to press send? Our life's going to change forever. And I'm like, dude, I only fail. What do you know about me? Woman? You know, I'm like, I'm, <laughs> you've been with me for at this point, I don't know, 10 to 11 years. And you're like, you know, you know, I got this passion. Sure, I got talent, but this is this is not for me because after I sent press send, I can finally say I'm done. I'm going to open my deli. I've got investors lined up. I'll perform on the weekends. I'm happy as a clam, you know? Yeah. I got my son. I got the house that we're moving into. So fast forward, you know, you know, I press send and I swear like two days later, they call me up. They're like, we're flying you out to New York for the final stage of auditions. Um, this is it. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's, let's get on that plane. And my wife's like, you get on that plane. Not only are you going to, not only are you going to get cast on the show this year, you're going to win the show. Are you ready for this? Are we ready as a family? we got a young, <laughs> right? you know, and are we ready to sacrifice you half our income for two and a half months to go shoot a Fakakta reality uh -huh. show, living in the Hollywood Hills with 14 other people? You know, that's a big commitment, you know, in a dual income house, you know, where we're barely right. getting by at that point. And I went and audition. I got on that plane and I got home. And the day after I got home from the round of auditions, they're like, pack your bags. You're leaving. You forfeit your phone, your books, wow. your everything. You can't even have any writing utensils. It was the crazy. It was like being in the joint. It was like being right. Like you had like hustling cartons of cigarettes and Jack Daniels and warm box wine. I mean, like whatever got you through. I mean, that's all. We could talk for an hour. You about got a, that you got a PA right? you're paying off on the side to make sure stuff's coming in. Yeah. Well, we had no cash, so we couldn't pay them off. So you had to charm them. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm serious. We're like, we're like, yeah, just just a pack of Parliament lights. Come on, come on, baby. Bro, hook me up. Hook me up, and then you'd, <laughs> and then you'd call home, and you can't see anything because every you you get every seven to ten days you get one phone call. <laughs> wow. Prison. And it's videotape and it's timed 10 minutes. So it's like click at the 10 minute mark. There's no like, I love you, baby. I can't wait to talk to you next day. No, they like, give me the phone, click. <laughs> and so, but you couldn't tell your wife or your spouse or your loved ones back home what was going on because there's an NDA and you can't divulge any information about the competition. Right. So it was like the first time she's like, oh my God, how is it? You're like, uh, I can't say anything, um, but I'm healthy. I'm happy. How are you? And it was like yeah. the each week the phone calls got progressively more horrible. You know what I mean? She was like, by week four, it's like mid-January in Chicago, and there's a blizzard, oh. and her mom slipped while you know, freaking shoveling our driveway. It broke her elbow, and I'm like, 
bearing all this guilt while not being able to tell her that I'm kicking ass and I'm Giada loves me. Bobby Flay thinks I'm funny. You know, like you can't say any of that. So it's like this one-sided bitch and moan thing that you just got to take. And it was, it was not an easy journey, but I'm glad I, I'm glad I won. Obviously. One more question for me, Giada really attractive in person or is it all cameras? Ah, she's very attractive in person. Of course. I mean, like without a doubt, you know, it's funny. Like you meet these people in real life and, I'm really the only one like you, you'll meet and you're like, Jesus, man, you're much bigger than I thought. Because most people are smaller, right? Petite yeah. or thinner, right? The camera right. does change your, the, the real life perspective, you know, of, of what you have on somebody. But she's sure. like magnetic. She's glowing. She's awesome. She's been so nice to me since day one. Everybody's, I have no enemies at that network. You know, I came in as a freshman 11 years ago. And maybe I'm a, a junior now. Right. Um, but I, I played my, you know, I, I, I was always respectful of the people there longer. I was willing to learn. And when I, you know, when I come to set, whether I'd be working on my own show or whatever, I'd show up early. I'd be easy to work with the crew because you're not just selling yourself to the producers yeah. in the network as a whole and the directors you're selling your, you want to be fun to work with. Cause those people yeah. that are maybe getting you your coffee and your baked chicken are going to be the one making the decision in five, six years to, have you host their new such show for the next guys grocery games, you know, that's such a good point. So Jeff, it, with, with your career, I, there, there could be a parallel between what you're doing and then what are, you know, what the cornhole players are doing because they're chasing a dream, right? Just, mm. just like you were doing in the band, like you've done with your, with your food network career, like I'm doing with TV. I mean, like, like a lot of us are doing. Um, and, and I know that behind the scenes that there are some of the cornhole players who want to stay and want to continue this dream, but yet reality is really slapping them in the face and they're having really hard decisions to make on whether or not they want to pursue their dream. Like, did, did you ever get to a point where you wanted to leave it? Did you think about getting a normal job? Did you, did you think about quitting? And, and if so, how did you, how did you persevere through that? Oh man. I mean, it was like every morning and every night, you know, and every post lunch break, it was, <laughs> like because the doubt is always there right it's just like simmering in yeah. in in its and you gotta like put a lid on it you know but the, you put a lid on something simmering not to get food related right it turns into a yeah. boil quite quickly so it's <laughs> like you gotta for my thing it was like oh god this is like so daunting and when people ask like what's the best part about this you know being famous you know and all this and i hate that like i hate the like the famous fame is i mean maybe nowadays it is a career but you know i'm like I want to be an entertainer and I feel like I'm an entertainer first and foremost. And like, what's the best part about it? Is it the fame? Is it the money? Is it the travel? Is it the, you know, being able to work without do, being asked to play in, you know, a, a celebrity old. pro-am cornhole thing at a stadium, 20 minutes from my house with Jay Cutler and Jared Payton, like all these people I respect. So I was like, that's all great. The best part about this career, honestly, man, it's like, I can wake up in the morning and that thing that was simmering, that doubt is gone. I made it. You know, I let the lid off and I shut off the, the flame and I took it off and I'm eating the soup, you know, and it's like awesome. And I love it. And sometimes the soup gets cold and you got to reignite it. And sometimes the soup is turned and you got to start a new batch, whatever. But for me, it was like, there was always doubt. Like, and I'm not saying believe in yourself, kid, and you can achieve your dreams. Anything's possible. Hold, hold on. Don't make Jeff yourself. upset. Jeff believes in the power of positive thinking. <laughs> I don't, love don't, don't get him started. But shit, man, what's positive thinking unless you're doing something every day? And that could be writing a line 
I don't know, an email to somebody that could put you in contact with a producer that get you a look yeah, that wants your tape and then you give them the tape. I don't know. Some days it was like, man, I should be doing stand up when I was in LA three times a night. And it was never good. Like I was never great. I was better at stand up in Chicago. I'm not blaming the cities. I'm blaming my set that I didn't work on enough, you know? So if this is not, so I was like, crap, I'm, it's stressing me out. Stand up doing three open mics a night. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write my own show and produce it with all my friends that moved to LA that we were in Tony and Tina's with. And that's what I did. And that was a year. You know what I mean? Like that fulfilled that thing. Cause I was, you know, honing the craft, building up the muscle, you know, and, and adding the experience. And I think a lot of people just kind of wait for somebody to tell them what to do or right. partner up with them and lead them uh, 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 the, in, in the right path. But like LA's full of people that are like, I have the best screenplay idea. I'm like, well then freaking write it. You know, <laughs> I have uncles that are like, I know a guy, this guy's, he's got the best idea for a movie. It's about, it's always about the Chicago outfit, you know, like our minds, like always something. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll take a meeting because I want to help somebody. And they don't have a screen. They don't have, they didn't write a damn word. They just have right. an idea and maybe three shady investors. So it's like, if that person is going to be one step ahead of the next guy with the great idea, if you get something on paper, you know, yeah, just write, I, writers write, performers perform, you know? I don't think people realize how hard that is. Yeah. I can't do it. I've, I'm, I used to be one of those, oh, I've got an idea for that. Like, I can't write it down. I can't make it make yeah. sense. When, like, that's a that's a real talent. Oh, it's hard. I couldn't write a movie. I can't write a screenplay. I don't have that. I don't have that big. You know, I'm I'm quick and I'm a cook and I throw things yeah. together. You know, I'm a messy cook. I'm a musician. I'll you know. But even but even stand up, you have to get a set oh, right. You have you have to get your set kind of honed in. If I've you're done going it to all. Do that. I've done it every form right from being in bands to doing improv on big stages, the Groundlings, Second City to writing my own sketch comedy shows, everything. Stand-up is the hardest entertainment discipline yes. out there. And you're probably, you have better odds of being like a jazz flautist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cause that's like mathematical and that you can train it. Like there's no guarantees. I mean, it takes so many hours of doing, not just practicing in front of the mirror, which you can do, I guess, if you're a jazz flautist. <laughs> or a solo act, jazz flautist. Yeah. You can practice in front of the mirror and go on stage and probably hold your own. But man, every audience is different. Every stage is different. Every microphone's different. And those guys, I, st- I still do stand up. I do demos for thousands of people, for rooms of 12 people. I get hired to do all this stuff and I'm doing the same material I've always done. I just happen to be cooking. And for me, that's what was like, that's what kind of made it all possible, you know? And, and, and that's when I realized I'm like, me on a mic is good. I can work a room, but when I'm cooking and working the room and doing my material, it's like, that's my niche. Right. And that's kind of what I honed in on. Hey, Jeff, another one for you that we talk about a lot with our players is battling through nerves. Now you've been doing this for so long, so I'm sure this is probably not something you have to deal with, but you know, we've got players now who all of a sudden are being forced, not forced, but all of a sudden appearing Mm -hmm. on national TV. You know, I mean, just regular jobs, teachers, plumbers, electricians, whatever. And now all of a sudden they're on national TV and really having to struggle with their nerves and staying focused. Um, how did how did you get past? I mean, now I'm sure it's it's just easy for you. But how did I mean? Did did you suffer with that at all when you were when you were younger and coming up, or is, or have you just always had that confidence and never had to worry about it? No, I'd lie if I didn't. You know, have if I say I didn't have nerves, especially with stand up and stuff. And, yeah. and for me, it was repetition. You know, like the more you 
put yourself in that situation that makes you nervous, the easier it gets. Now, some people I know have phobias within them that probably take even more work than the average Joe, but I don't know, man, like deep breathing, getting in the zone. I know these, a lot, most players, right. Are headphoned up and listening to their stuff. If that's whatever works for them, I can't imagine. Like, I hope they mic me up. Oh yeah. I got to talk about Marlon. I want to, I got a lot to say, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't know. I mean, I couldn't imagine, right. Because most people hustling in, in, in entertainment, right, want to entertain. They want to be in front of people. Like you said, right. these guys probably had no aspirations to be on TV and to be in a stadium performing in front of thousands right. of people. It's It's got to be so daunting. But just I would focus, you know, you focus on the bag, focus on the toss, focus on the board, and, 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 and zero in on that. And I think that's what a lot of these guys are doing just from watching. And obviously, they're doing very well. I get my numbers up. Yeah, it's it's the the toughest part for them is you know some of the kids and some of the you know these are regular Joes and Janes that all of a sudden have to do an interview. Oof. And that is, and you can see it in their eyes. And you know Jeff and Trey are trying to get them and lead them in an interview, but it you can only do so much as the interviewer to get them to open yeah. up. And it's it's the hardest part for us to to show that there actually are personalities behind these. You know, these just these faces that are just stuck in front of the camera sometimes. I know it's like it's it's like, so what do you tell them? I, I when people ask me about, oh, how do you what's the best advice? I want to cook on TV and I or I'm auditioning for this cooking show. I don't know. I always say just smile and tell a bunch of personal ass stories, you know. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think that could translate to your Jeff, you know, your interview with these players who've who've never really talked in front of the, a camera and stared down the lens of a camera, yes, which is right. daunting as hell. Yeah. You know, I, I just, <laughs> I'd whisper in their ear ever so gently, just smile and tell us. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if that'll freak them out, but I, when people smile and be like, Oh, I'm going to talk about how I play how my favorite game. You know, I don't know. I don't know. You got to right disarm them in a way. It's not easy. I don't know if they're an electrician, if they're a plumber, if they're a, 15 yeah. year old kid i don't yeah that's a hell of a spectrum to to play around him i i think i think you nailed it on the head really that the the biggest thing that they can do is just continue to get more experience and, and bernie yeah. i don't know about you but i'm actually i think i'm just now it seems like just in the last couple of cbs broadcasts i think i'm finally starting to see them getting comfortable not necessarily with the interviews yet but with, but but with performing I think, yeah. and, and Jeff, to your point, uh, you know, we, we have several players now, I mean, maybe 10, 12, 15, that are repeatedly showing up on TV and they're starting to get better and better about playing under the light. So I think you're absolutely right. Just the more they do it, the more practice they get. And I think we always have to remember in the back of our heads, you know, that they've never done this before. But I, I feel yeah. like they're starting <laughs> to get better at it. Yeah, they are. Who's yeah, like the most, are there any like showboats? Like who's the most like, Born for it, showboaty, you know, that's really soaking it in now. Cody Henderson. Cody Henderson. Yeah, but he's not there enough anymore. I mean, a uh, a Jordan Power is pretty loud. Um, It's funny, some showboat in different ways. Jamie Graham, who's the best player in the world, doesn't showboat, but he knows the camera's on it. So he'll take extra time. He'll kind of, he'll kind of, kind of, you know, let the moment play out longer yeah. than it probably needs. He, he, know, he knows that people are watching him. Put it that way. 
That is funny. I, I got to do a like Good Morning Washington tomorrow, right? Promote uh, one of my shows that are uh, Kitchen Crash, which which is season two is premiering in a couple weeks. So they got me on, you know, I got to do interviews, morning shows, cook on them. And nothing's harder than making a full recipe in five minutes while being interviewed and getting your <laughs> plugs in and doing all this. Like we're used to it. But man, it's been my goal when, when they start, they're like, we'll give you five minutes. I'm like, I'm going to stretch this to seven and a half. <laughs> I'm going to get that to it. I didn't sit here and, you You're know, missing that break, buddy. wake up at 7 a.m. to uh, lightly simmer brats and lager <laughs> for five measly minutes. I'm getting seven and a half, whether you like it or not. That's funny. <laughs> stretch it out. Just, yeah, I like that. You got to, hey, it's, it's, the camera's on. You got to milk it, man. It's yeah, man. Well, hey, speaking of time, but unfortunately, we are out of time. Oh, every God, every time. I know. But hey, uh, I'm still looking forward to hanging out with you this weekend. We will have you uh, on during the broadcast. You can do some play by play and some analysis with Trey and I, but uh, can't oh. wait to meet you this weekend. Oh, yeah. Can I really? Is that? Oh, yeah. Marlon and say, dude, I will live in that booth the whole week. I don't care what you need. I'll give you what you want. It's my Come dream. On. I'm going to color on commentate the hell out of that booth. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. done. You want to come oh, on? Solid fire. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Give me stat sheet. I don't know. I'll make stuff up. I'm gonna I want to make up all the new terms. I was you all week I was coming up with new terms that I want to implement this weekend. I'm not gonna divulge them now because it's we got to do it live on the air, but oh my Done. god, I can't wait. I cannot <laughs> wait. Please uh it's gonna awesome. be fun. I'm we'll so excited, it. guys. All right, Jeff. Hey, uh, again, thank you so much for your time, and we will see you uh, this weekend. Sounds good. Thank you, Jeff and Bernie. We'll see you this weekend. Take care, weekend. Jeff. Ciao. All right, Jeff Morrow. Wow. He is fired up for Super Bowl. This is going to be, this is, again, some big-time celebrities. This may be a great weekend for Chicago. Well, it's weird, right? Like, you want him to be in the booth, but, you know, you also want him to play well. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. Because <laughs> it's a lot more fun when they when they are great personalities and they can also play, right? Uh, right. Yeah, we're so. out. We're, we're out of time, aren't we? We are, brother. All right, we got to go. Uh, safe travels. I will see you in Chicago. Yes, sir. All right, thanks, everybody. Bye.